welcome to a special pre-signing day edition of Commitment Issues, uh, the number one recruiting podcast in South Korea uh, this week for sure. I mean, we've uh, we've eclipsed the giant competition that we face out there in, in that market. Uh, we're hoping to conquer the United States next. Anyway, I'm Rob Cassidy. I cover the Southeast for Rivals.com, and I'm joined by my co-host, Woody Womack, who also covers the Southeast for Rivals.com. How are you, Woody? Oh, yeah, I'm great. Big shout to all our uh, international listeners. I'm not sure who's listening in Korea, but we had several uh, Korean listeners this week, so I hope you're paying attention because we got a big signing day coming, Rob. It's going to be very exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. You're excited. Uh, the people in Korea are also very excited, so you know, let's address them without further ado. All right, listen, Rob, we gotta, we, before we get into heavy recruiting talk, we've got to talk, of course, about Old Miss and how outraged we are at their recruiting violations, uh, especially those related to the women's basketball team. <laughs> yeah, I just I can't, can't believe that the uh, the Ole Miss football team would have the nerve to let the women cheat uh, the way that they did. You Freeze failed to monitor the women's basketball team, uh, and that's a problem for me. In all, in all fairness, for those of you who don't know, bringing you quickly up to date, Yahoo's own Pat Forty came out with a, a lengthy story uh, late last week, detailing uh, some uh, allegations against Old Miss coming from the NCAA. Uh, a few of them were related to football. It seemed like at the time it, it looked like it might be a, a bombshell. As uh, things went along, though, it, it appears that it's really not going to have a major impact. All secondary violations, and uh, doesn't seem to be having an impact on recruiting at all. What's what's your kind of feel with how the recruits have taken the news, especially with the way it hit initially? I think they've kind of blown it off. I mean, look, man, this affected this affected other fans of other SEC teams more than anything. They, the way Hugh Freeze has been recruiting there and how well he's done, other fan bases want nothing more. Since they've been accusing them of cheating anyway, they want nothing more than for something to come out that kind of confirms what they've been saying. So when this happened for like an hour in the middle of the afternoon, there was like this quick uproar on Twitter and, you know, all across, you know, the Rivals.com message boards of, oh knew this. I mean, who's surprised by this? And then, you know, it comes to find out it's really nothing. And so they had to kind of walk it back a little bit, even though they didn't walk it back. But, you know, maybe they should have. Uh, hasn't really affected Ole Miss. Um, it looks like Ole Miss might be able to pull off something that maybe they have not pulled off in the Rivals era. I'd have to look it up. And that is to land the top five, all of the top five prospects in its own state. Uh, they've already got commitments from Dekalen Metcalf. They've got a commitment from Benito Jones. Nigel Knott is on the board for them. Simmons is on the board for them, the five-star, uh, and A.J. Brown, the wide receiver at Starkville, is also on the board for them. And it is not a stretch to think that they may land all of them. Now, not may commit by the time this podcast airs. If that happens and I'm talking about him like he's uncommitted, you know why. It's because we recorded this before it happened. Uh, what's your take on this, Woody? Well, you know, it's interesting. We were on the Rebel Grove podcast. I think each of us spent some time on there last week, and, you know, they, we talked a lot about A.J. Brown, what he's going to do. We, you know, he's not a guy we know tremendously well. I think we both got to spend some time with him when we were out there in Hattiesburg. Uh, I don't really have a clear read on what he's going to do. I think, you know, he's having a big signing announcement at his school, which uh, I still think would be, you know, a major, a major troll move to uh, to have that and commit to Ole Miss, especially because he's from Starkville, like you said. But uh, what a year for talent in Mississippi. We got a chance to go out there and see a lot of the guys. You know, Raekwon Davis, one of the most physically impressive prospects I've seen in the class. 
he's not bound for Ole Miss. Outside the top five. Crazy, right? Number six. Yeah, he's not even in the top five prospects. And we're talking about a guy that's the size of a house. I mean, he's a a monster. Even our our producer, Nick Kruger, had to use two hands to hold the camera up uh, to try to get that tight shot of his face because he was so much taller than Nick, who, uh, you know, is listed about six foot, maybe six one on the old roster. So, uh, you know, it's just a crazy year, and, and, you know, Ole Miss gets attention for going out of state, getting guys, you know, like uh, Robert Kimdichie, who they took out of Georgia. Laquan Treadwell is from Illinois, but, I mean, that state produces talent. I think a lot of those guys are getting seen a lot more. As you mentioned, you know, you've got a five-star in Simmons. Nigel Knott was in the five-star conversation, as was Metcalf. A.J. Brown is a guy that steadily rose in the ranking. So, you know, even if they finish with four or five, it's, that's a, it's a huge year. Especially when you're in Mississippi, another problem you face, especially in this era anyway, is fending off Alabama, who is coming off a national title victory. They're in on Knott. Uh, they were in on Brown. Uh, so fighting them off is not easy if you're trying to lock down your borders as Ole Miss is, uh, not to mention Mississippi State, who's also an SEC school in the state. So to be able to land all five of those if that happens is just not something that we should sell short, and I don't think anybody will. Well, so, you know, getting back to the sanctions, it doesn't look like it's a major issue. I know we've heard rumors on other board, on other message boards through other channels. There might be more coming. Personally, I, I just don't see it. I know the Laramie Tunsil situation with him and his stepdad and his mom led to all kinds of stuff. But I think when it comes down to it, that's going to be a non-factor. So uh, we can kill that. We're, we're quashing that story from uh, from further conversation, at least on this pod. But, Rob, big news today. I saw your Twitter blowing up. Uh, Riley Cole, a three-star linebacker, had been committed to Alabama for a long time. Kind of surprised people when he did commit uh, because the Tide were slow to offer, as were a bunch of schools. Now it's, what, four days until signing day, and they asked him to gray shirt. So how did you take that news in? What was the reaction? I heard your Twitter feed, uh, your mentions were really uh, blowing up with fans of other fan bases calling you out as well. Yeah, you know, surprisingly, it wasn't Alabama fans that were upset about me writing the story of what happened. It was Auburn fans and Michigan fans that were upset that I wasn't upset enough. <laughs> it's crazy enough. Um, so I don't know, like, if they thought I, you know, if you listen to this podcast at all, you know that I went to great lengths defending Jim Harbaugh uh, for what he did when it came to parting ways with the prospect. But Michigan fans are so mad about that that they're just yelling at any reporter they can find. So, like, they decided that I crucified Jim Harbaugh, which never happened, and then yelled at me, proceeded to call me names about not crucifying Nick Saban. Uh, I actually think what Saban did might have been a little bit, like, I I don't want to say worse because, you know, you reserve the right to do this. Everybody knows the stakes in recruiting. Uh, Is it ideal to tell a high school prospect, hey, we're going to need you to gray shirt three days before signing day? No, it's not. But... You can read the writing on the wall most of the time and have a backup option. So it's not like I feel that bad for Riley here. Uh, It's not an ideal situation. He's a fine football player that will find somewhere to land, obviously. Uh, But I'm not one to jump up and down and vilify anybody, not Harbaugh, not Saban, uh, in either of these two situations. I don't think it's ideal. I think that an early signing day could solve that issue. But, you know, who am I to – I mean, my life isn't dependent on signing a class that's going to win football games. Uh, it's really easy to sit back when your job isn't tied to this and judge people. Uh, it's a little bit different when <laughs> you can get fired for not executing this plan very well or putting together a good team. And if your livelihood rests on it, maybe you'll do some things that it's easy to chastise when you're pulled back from the situation, you know? 
Well, yeah, I, I really think it stinks. Uh, you know, you make some good points, but it's, it really stinks for our boy Riley, who uh, was one of my personal favorites at, uh, at events over the years. Uh, I think he's going to be a very good football player. I'm not sure what the early scuttlebutt is on him and where he might land, but uh, I'd have to imagine that schools are going to make a spot for a guy like him. I could see maybe South Carolina or somebody like that swooping in, or uh, maybe even Georgia, especially if things don't break their way. Uh, down the stretch, but uh, just kind of a, a crappy situation, especially for the kid who you know grew up in Alabama, probably dreamed of playing for Alabama. So yeah, he'd, be, uh, he'd def- been committed there since June. That's what makes it even like worse. Is you know he'd been committed there. He's one of those few guys that didn't really look around and, and kind of stuck, uh, you know, pretty loyal, and then ended up getting you know elbow dropped for it, which is too bad to see. Right, earn earn the offer in camp and everything. So the question is now: immediate speculation for Alabama fans went to, okay, look, when we gave the boot to Riley, who are we replacing him with? It seems like they're in the mix for three five-star linebackers in uh, Mike Juarez from California, Mac Wilson, uh, who's an in-state five-star guy, and then Ben Davis, who who was actually at Auburn this past weekend. Does this mean that they're getting all three? Is that the sign? I mean, we've assumed they were getting uh, Davis and and Wilson, but you you think this is this is the key that they're going to get the trio? I think it might be. I think they must feel pretty good about it because they knew. I mean, if we knew, they knew that they were getting Wilson and Davis, and they've known that for at least a month. So it's not like anything would have changed in the last week to affect Riley, right? So it's not like they would have been like, oh, we forgot. we got to get rid of a dude. I, I mean, I can't imagine that they're that inept in that office. So something changed, right? And I think the most obvious thing, if we're going to jump to some conclusions, would be Minke Juarez, right? Like, I mean, that's that's got to be it. Uh, I don't necessarily going to you know, stand on the table and say it's a done deal. But I think it's a pretty good indicator that Nick Saban and that staff feels pretty good about where they sit there unless there's like some mystery linebacker on the table that we don't know about. All right. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think I think probably Wars is the guy. So uh, let's we all wish uh, Riley well. Hope he lands on his feet. Uh, but, you know, Riley was a three star. Uh, actually, I think he was a two. He was a three star. We had dropped into a two star after uh after he'd kind of fallen off the recruiting radar, then he played his way back up to a three. But we've seen a handful of kids, Rob, this year who are three stars with not a lot of options who kind of overplayed their hand here waiting too long to announce. A lot of people don't realize that, uh, you know, those offers can go away late, especially if you don't jump in and hold your spot in a class. So uh, what's been your experience with some of these guys who, who might have overplayed their hand and do you do you see some guys being on signing day without letters of intent to sign? Uh, you know, that always happens. You know, I don't know who that will be this year. Um, I think that there are some guys that definitely hurt themselves. As my boy DJ Khaled would say, you played yourself. And Pai Young, uh, Kishan Young, was one of them that almost did it. I think that he really wanted to go to Michigan. He would plan on committing to Michigan. He did not commit to Michigan the several, several times he had the opportunity to do it and was so heart set on announcing on signing day. Then all of a sudden, Michigan takes Eddie McDoom and takes, you know, fills up at wide receiver, and all of a sudden, there's no room there, and he has to scramble. It looked like he might go to Louisville. Uh, last second, he visits USC to try to maybe get a spot in that class, and I think that's who he'll eventually select, uh, but he'll announce between USC and Louisville. But I think that if we wanted to go to Michigan, and I think that that opportunity was taken away from him simply because he waited too long. I think that happens a lot more than people realize. I know it's happened to players in your region this year and in years past. It's something that happens every year. Uh, where guys just think that these schools are going to wait on them, and then finally the schools shrug their shoulders and are like, fine, we'll fill your spot, and they go for it. 
Yeah, we've heard from a lot of guys who are, you know, who, who, who have done it in the past, and they end up, you know, you see a three-star guy or, you know, even maybe a four-star guy who ends up, uh, you know, going outside of a Power 5 school, and that's usually the reason why. They didn't jump on the opportunity. Uh, coaches sometimes, you know, would rather take a sure thing. Of course, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And uh, in the situation, like you said, of our boy Pi, who will be a very good college football player, you know, he may be – didn't end up going to his first choice because he kind of waited and delayed. So kind of keep an eye out for that on signing day, uh, everyone out there at podcast land, because I think we're going to see some guys fall through the cracks and, you know, it could benefit, it could, it could benefit some of these uh, smaller schools looking to, to land some guys. So um, one guy who w- does have a spot at signing day and beyond five-star Demetrius Robertson becoming our, our weekly topic. Now, Rob seems like every week <laughs> we're we talking about this guy. So where do we start? It was Sam Bruce at no, it was Jacob Eason at first, and then it became Sam Bruce, and now it's become D Rob. Right? These have been like the commitment issues, uh, poster boys. Yeah, we had. We also had a, a Miko Hardman was featured three or four weeks uh, during his uh, dramatic play. So now it's uh, Demetrius, and I think we're going to keep talking about him every week. Uh, the Notre Dame fans gave us a lot of love after. Uh, not giving us love <laughs> the week prior, which uh, <laughs> yeah, we got in trouble for pointing out that they were they, they were not giving us love. <laughs> so, so uh, Demetrius this weekend went to Georgia Tech for an official visit, which a lot of people were saying, you know, what's going on? Why is a five star going to Georgia Tech for an official visit? His mom's been pushing for him to go there. Uh, the, at least for a trip. They go up there, have a good time. He was scheduled then to leave early, go to Alabama, and uh, check out an official visit there. He was committed to Alabama at one point, of course. Instead, he ends up staying extra uh, at Georgia Tech, misses the Alabama visit for the third time in three weeks, which is pretty impressive. I mean, he, he had scheduled two other official visits, missed them both, uh, it, you know, and Without really, you know, a, a concrete reason, he had said there were some distractions. His family schedule didn't work out, but you know, we both know that if you really want to get to a place, you're gonna probably get there. So, uh, the word is now that that Alabama, you know, is kind of moving on, at least in terms of, you know, they want it, they want him on signing day. If he doesn't sign, fax them the letter, they're not gonna be in the race past signing day, which leaves Georgia Tech, Cal, who also got an official visit. Notre Dame, who's kind of the leader in the clubhouse, and then Georgia, which had an in-home visit, and they're hoping that he comes for an official visit next weekend. So, I mean, this is really setting up to be a crazy finish, and all of a sudden, when we get past signing day, I would expect kind of national attention to be on him. Do you do you see it a situation where all of a sudden uh, he, he becomes kind of uh, the center of the recruiting world as we as we look to wrap up 2016? I think he has some potential to uh, to become that guy that everybody's waiting for, maybe even post-signing day. I think ultimately he's going to pick the school with the nicest equipment truck. Uh, and, you know, Notre Dame's really, <laughs> really showed out in that category. But, man, uh, I, you know, I would if I had to guess, and I don't cover him as closely as you do because he's a Georgia guy, which makes him a Woody Womack guy, that he will end up at Notre Dame. That's my uh, That's my guess for now anyway. And you never know with him, though. Uh, we do talk about him every week, though. I guess you could say we've been drilling rather hard on him. Well, so, yeah, we, you mentioned Notre Dame. Notre Dame showed up at his house with an equipment truck, which kind of led to uh, some of that early national media attention, which we saw. We saw I saw uh, one story uh, where it was clear 
When you are, say national that, media attention, you mean like national media fist shaking, right? Like, I mean, it was. Yeah, well, exactly. Not when I say national media, I mean people who work for, uh, you know, bigger outlets than uh, ourselves, at least non-recruiting entities, uh, ESPN, CBS Sports, places of that nature. Um, although, although I would say, you know, some of the people I saw shaking their fists have less followers than me on Twitter, so. Uh, hey, and you know, that's what we measure worth by in 2016, huh? <laughs> that's right. That's what I've been told. At least it's like a resume. So uh, <laughs> so anyway, they, they pull the equipment truck up to his house, uh, and then they drive it to the school also uh, and use it as kind of a, a tool. I mean, you know, the equipment trucks look cool. Every school's got them. It's like a big semi truck, uh, you know, with everything painted on it. It seemed to draw a lot of attention. I saw one article of, of this clear. Another school was complaining, saying this was, should be a secondary violation. Notre Dame was defending themselves. Then I saw another article, you know, uh, derying the situation, saying, you know, it's too much. And then that brings us to uh, to our girl, Heather Dinich, who uh, works for ESPN. I know I worked with her uh, over times. Uh, you know, just a couple of her tweets uh, she said here, the recruiting has gotten out of hand because the coaches have allowed it to by trying to one-up one another. They've created a monster. Now, so let's break that tweet down first. I, that's sort of true, isn't it, Rob? I mean, don't you <laughs> – we yeah, can take I that mean, – I, I guess they've created a monster, but how does this affect Heather? Like, is this like keeping her up at night? I mean, I don't understand why she's mad about it, I guess, of all people. Why do old reporters – like, are the coaches knocking on her door with equipment trucks? I don't. I don't get why it's like – offensive you know what it is and you know it's recruiting is the kardashians of the sports world it's really easy to say something critical about recruiting and just have people agree with you so it's like if you're on social media or whatever and you're looking for people to give you backpacks or like be like yeah get them you can just say hey isn't recruiting crazy i mean these kids are prima donnas uh that's just i mean it's like it's like taking shots at kim kardashian like it's stupid it's base and you know people will just agree with you uh, and I think that's a lot of why people do it, uh, and it's really weird to me because it's not as if Notre Dame driving an equipment truck into somebody's driveway is waking up Heather at her house wherever she lives. Like I, I don't understand what's so offensive well, to these people about it. Uh, for, first of all, I, you know I don't. We don't mean to single out Heather. Obviously, I think uh, you know she's just one of many who takes this position. Second of all, that Kardashian analogy is one of the one of the most profound things you've ever said on this podcast. So. <laughs> Let's, let's, it's true. let's hope they don't make us cut this segment. But uh, the, like you said, the the monster aspect is it just depends on how offended you want to get by it. It's not like you said; it's not hurting anyone. Uh, it, it is a big deal, but it's no different than free agency. I mean, do we had you know it happens in the it happens in the pros as well. These are kids. Kids like to have fun. I, I, I don't understand, like you said, you know, it's not hurting anyone. That's not the bad. The bad part of recruiting is not, you know, putting people's faces in photoshops or pulling up pulling up trucks or coming up with hashtags, which brings us to the second point of Heather's uh, tweet. She said, uh, in reference to college coaches, they spend their time sitting around thinking of hashtags and gimmicks. You've got to be kidding me. Coach, win, educate. So, Look, I mean, I should take this time to say that I do enjoy Heather's work. I think she's a fine reporter. Uh, I wasn't trying to pile on her. We are just very different in these takes, I guess. I mean, I'm not searching to get mad at recruiting. And it might just be because, you know, the avenues we work in, she doesn't work in recruiting. She's not around it as often as I am. 
Um, so maybe it's just our different viewpoints. I just don't want anybody to think that I'm piling on her for, for no reason because she is a good reporter and does some tremendous work. Yeah, but but the problem is, you know, and and much like you know, people who there's a lot of people who don't like the NFL draft who cover the NFL, uh, you know, and it's the same. It's sort of the same aspect. People people love it, and that's of course that's why we have jobs. That's why we have the podcast. But you know, without recruiting, you know, like you said, it's easy to criticize. You mentioned this in the Alabama segment. It's easy to criticize coaches for going over the top uh when when you don't have to use teenagers to kind of rely on uh you keeping you your job i mean recruiting is what saves jobs it's what makes coaches careers we've seen several coaches even guys who have gotten in trouble get a second chance because they can't recruit so i i, I personally i don't think it's getting any smaller i don't think there are ever i don't think there will be an early signing day and the reason why is because you know, schools don't want the big schools don't want it. If if Nick Saban and Urban Meyer wanted an ur- an early signing day, it would already exist. But they don't want it because their their teams are playing late into the season, and they don't want to have to focus on recruiting midway through the year or even in the off season. They want to come in. They want to steal guys late. They want to drop guys late, as we've seen. And I I feel like it's not going to change anytime soon. Look, man. The only if my next door neighbor is a big time recruit, turns out to be a big time recruit, and Notre Dame hauls a semi truck up to his house and wakes me up at five in the morning, I'm have a problem. Other than that, I don't care <laughs> what they do with their equipment truck. I just it just I have a real hard time mustering outrage about methods that people try to use to recruit. I, I just can't I can't get upset about it, no matter how hard I try. Well, uh, guess what? And Nick and I uh, actually before before we got on this call, I was working on a story which will probably be up on the website by the time this comes out. Uh, the top ten commitment reveal moments. Uh, I did something similar last year, and we were watching Omar Bolden uh, make his commitment <laughs> to Arizona State back in two thousand seven, and it's the most ridiculous. I mean, Rob, you will love it so much because it's such a wrestling moment. Um, Hold on, what is it? I'm not even. I'm not familiar. This is before <laughs> my time in the recruiting world. Well, hopefully Nick can cut in the audio here in the in the place of me to explaining to you what happened. But anyway, he, he takes the hats of the school he doesn't like, and he throws them. He knocks them off the desk, and then acts like he's gonna <laughs> acts like he's gonna put on USC's hat, and then throws it at the camera, and then pulls an Arizona State hat from behind his back and puts it on. So who's it gonna be? Um, well, it's certainly not gonna be. Oregon State <laughs> or Washington. I think it might be. Nah, it ain't gonna be no Trojan. It ain't gonna be, ain't gonna be no Trojan. I'm gonna be Arizona State Sun Devil. Yeah, man, we're not that far away from my dream of kids setting hats on fire of the schools they don't choose and blow torches. We are really not that far. Well, so that was in 2007, and they, everyone says it gets worse every year. I, personally, I think the kids, given the spotlight of social media, are more PC than they were at that time where, like you said, you'd have guys trashing hats and stuff like that. I don't see that as much. I also, speaking of our boy Miko Hardman, I heard he is doing his announcement with a cake, the exact idea we pitched on this show. So, uh, uh, Yeah, I'm hoping to get some royalties off that, man, (laughs) or something. uh, We are going to have to discuss that with him, and we're also going to have to reach out to to the media outlets that ran that story and make sure they give us credit as well retroactively. No Um, doubt. But anyway, Coach Win Educate, take that that, uh, under advisement going forward. (laughs) 
So, Rob, last week, boy, the Tennessee fans, we, we'd been waiting all year to talk about Tennessee because they have a rabid fan base. We go ahead and look at the analytics from the episode. They make up 25% of our audience last week. Can you believe that? The first time, and the, the yeah, Vols fans this, come through. This podcast, huge in Knoxville and Korea. Those are the two things I know about this podcast, is that people in Knoxville love us and people in Korea also love us. Well, so we had our biggest audience ever last week thanks in part to Tennessee and a couple of fan bases that we've already talked about on this show. Notre Dame, uh, Auburn also was big, Ole Miss, a lot of audience there. But we wanted to talk about Tennessee because they had a huge official visit weekend this last weekend. Butch Jones is known for closing strong late. Uh, we'll start with the Florida guys so you can kind of talk about them. Tyler Bird, a guy that uh, you know has been really impressive from uh, mine and Nick's old stomping grounds down in southwest Florida, actually covered his first high school game uh, for Rivals.com during my first fall here. He's been committed to Miami forever. I mean, I think he, I think he was a Florida commit at one point, flipped to Miami at some point, but it's it's been years now that he's been committed there, it seems like. Mark Richt made him a priority. He was one of the first recruiting stops, but he went up to uh, Knoxville this weekend. What are you hearing in terms of what might happen with his recruitment? Yeah, just a quick backstory on him. He's uh, kind of the Larry Scott effect. Uh, the interim head coach of Miami, who's now at Tennessee, uh, really helped recruit him. Doesn't hurt that Tennessee also has a commitment from his high school teammate, and Carlin Filsamy. Uh, there are a lot of factors working for Tennessee here. And, you know, if I'm wagering a guess, I, man, I, I'm going to have a hard time seeing him sticking with Miami. I think there's just too much working for Tennessee. Um, hearing that things went well, uh, obviously, that's the recruiting cliche. You know, of course, things went well on every visit, <laughs> but um, I'd be shocked. I think that maybe we'll see a flip from Bird. And, and the other guy, Zach Moss, who's currently committed to Utah, the running back, who was also once committed to Miami uh, once upon a time. Uh, committed to Utah now. He's got a couple high school teammates also committed to Utah. Uh, but if they've got room for him, I could see them taking Moss late too. And I think he'd be a nice little addition to Tennessee's class. So they could flip a couple guys from, from two schools outside of the conference here from Florida and really get some momentum. I think Tennessee's really been trying to break into Florida on some mentionable level anyway uh, for some time. And maybe this Larry Scott hire is really going to help them get the momentum they've kind of been seeking uh, in my neighborhood. And so I was talking to uh, Paul Fortenberry, big shout, who works for VolQuest.com. Also, maybe the best basketball player on the Rivals.com network, that guy. I mean, you want to talk yeah. about a dude that can hoop. I mean, he can yeah. go. No question. I would say in the Rivals.com network, he's number one. Uh, you know, uh, if it's a three-point shooting contest, maybe it's a discussion, but... <laughs> <laughs> if it's <laughs> if it if it's pure athleticism, uh, there's no doubt. As uh, as our producer Nick Kruger found out the hard way, Nick by far the best defender in the company, and uh, even he had a hard time uh, dealing with Paul with that length. Paul goes about six three, six four, real Kevin Durant type uh, out on the floor. He almost he almost dunked too. I mean, the guy can jump. Right, exactly. You know, he's got a couple of kids now, so maybe the you know maybe his game is slowing down. I know he was big at playing at like five a.m. every day and stuff like that. So I don't know if he's got time for that anymore. But getting getting back to the topic on Paul, he told me they've got three spots left, which is interesting because we just talked about two players from Florida, including Zach Moss, who you know is a three star. He would be a depth chart kind of guy. They need a running back in this class. The question is, they do they have to make a decision? What if? Okay, Nigel Warrior, who is a who's a Rivals 100 guy. I think we expect him to sign with Tennessee on Wednesday. Uh, he's a son of Dale Carter, who's a Tennessee legend. 
He's been flirting with the Vols for a while. They've kind of backed off of several other safeties, and I think it's because they know they're getting Warrior. Uh, you know, when you talk about him and Bird, if they can get him in the same class, those are two instant impact guys in their secondary. Uh, and then they also had Derek Brown, five-star defensive tackle on campus. I had been predicting Derek to go to Tennessee for a while, mainly because I expected this visit to kind of seal things up for him. It looks like the visit went well, but I think it's going to be Auburn there. I think I'm going to have to switch my pick, unfortunately. Some shifts in your list. Uh, my gut was telling me Tennessee all along, but it seems like he, his official visit to Auburn earlier this month seemed to have changed things. Uh, it's just, just hard to see him kind of uh, getting getting away from Auburn at this point. That's going to be a big loss for Georgia, uh, You know, missing out on him. Tennessee got into it late, almost pulled him out. And then Landon Dickerson, big-time offensive lineman, who uh, we've heard talking to some other schools. But the question will be, does Moss take one of those spots? Do they do they have to pass on Dickerson because they They're have so to get Moss in? Back? Yeah. yeah, I mean, they, I mean they, positionally, I mean, this kind of stuff happens. Um, you know, it's real hard to, if you're not a coach or somebody following the positions, to understand why they would pass if they had to on Dickerson to take Moss. But if you're hard up in a certain position, you got to do what you got to do, and that might be the situation at Tennessee. Uh, if I think if I had to predict, I'm fairly certain that they'll end with Warrior and Bird. Uh, what that last spot will be is interesting to me. All right, so we'll we'll see what happens. Moving on, we'll, we'll, we'll go quickly through these last few topics as we're running a little long. We're trying to make this a shorter show just because it's a, a signing day only event. Uh, well, well, let's first let's do a little promo. Rob, you and I will be featured along with Nick Kruger on camera. A little commitment issues. Live, I guess it's pseudo live signing day special. We're going to be on camera. Can you believe they're putting our faces on the on the front of rivals dot com? Yeah, now instead of just making fun of our voices, people can also make fun of our appearances. So you know, I'm thrilled for that. Um, but yeah, no, it should be good. I, I enjoy the show. I obviously enjoy doing the show. It's one of the, my favorite parts of the job, and uh, to do more of it is is good for me. And you know, it'll be fun. We'll have a little bit of fun. We'll be laid back. It won't be as uh, intense as and serious as some other signing day shows you may have seen around the internet and the television realm. Uh, you know, it'll just be this show except with our faces moving on the computer screen. Yeah. Well, so what we're going to be doing is a lot of quick hit videos, reactions to stuff that goes on during the day. We're going to have the other rivals.com national analysts on, uh, breaking down some of the commitments, uh, shortly after they happen. So come for us and stay, stay for Mike Farrell, right? That's right. Anytime, anytime Mike's getting involved, he's going to bring a big audience. So, uh, you know, we hope that uh, especially our, you know, our South Korean audience, we know we can count on them. We need the Americans uh, to step up to the plate and uh, come watch our videos. We'll be, we'll be putting them all over the Internet. You'll see them on social media, and they'll also be on the message board. So, Rob, quickly, Auburn. Now, we, we, we talked a little bit about them when it comes to Derek Brown. Uh, I wanted to ask you of one of your favorite terms. I saw tonight that Eli Stove uh, a Rivals 100 wide receiver, at least he, I, I think that's where he's ranked. Anyway, for a while it looked like he was headed to Florida. It looks like he reaffirmed his commitment tonight to Auburn, one of your favorite trends. Uh, were you surprised that he didn't end up getting away to Florida because it seemed like everyone was predicting him there for a no, while? No, I kind of thought he was going to stick. Um, I think that people got a little bit carried away with that I, for whatever reason, just because he had Florida with them for so long and because of the geographical location. But... I never really got on board with that. Um, <laughs> got reaffirmed. Every time you say it, I just like cringe. <laughs> you know who else reaffirmed tonight? Was Sean Joseph. No, didn't reaffirm, but is going to announce. He's going to make a signing day announcement 
uh, on which school he will attend, despite being committed to Florida, and he's choosing between Florida and Alabama, but I don't think Alabama is going to take him, so I... I guess we'll get a second commitment from him. So this is the kind of thing that happens at this time of year. And uh, But no, to uh, kind of bring myself back off that tangent, I don't think Stove was ever seriously going to flip. So, so another guy who reaffirmed his commitment earlier this week, I believe, maybe in talks to be a guest on the aforementioned uh, commitment issues and National Signing Day show from Rivals.com, Marlon Character Jr. He had been looking at South Carolina, took an official Virginia Tech he uh, he reaffirmed his commitment, I believe. So so Auburn kind of holds on to a couple guys they thought they might lose. And then Derek Brown, uh, the work of Rodney Garner there has to be pretty impressive, the defensive line coach. We saw him play a part in getting Byron Cowart last year, the nation's number one player. Uh, some other guys they've got over the years, Carl Lawson, a five-star out of the Atlanta area. Uh, of course, Montrevious Adams out of uh, South Georgia. So He's done a terrific job. He continues to kind of be a guy that doesn't get the same type of love maybe, you know, Ed Orgeron or somebody like that gets in terms of a D-line coach who can also recruit. But, I mean, it seems like year after year, I mean, dating back, you know, Nick Fairley even before that, they seem to have these big-time five-star guys come through and not only excel there but, you know, pan out and move on to the next level. So uh, right now my prediction is for Derek Brown to go to Auburn. I don't know I don't know what happened. I don't know, you know what the pitch was down there at Auburn. He's been there several times, but uh, they were kind of the dark horse. I, I considered them behind a few schools, but uh, I think it's going to be the old war eagle for, for our boy Derek Brown. Hey, moving on a little bit here. Do you remember 48 hours ago when I predicted that Keith Gavin would go to Alabama? <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a good time. <laughs> Turns yeah, out... You did it. <laughs> yeah, turns out he uh, that story got released. Gavin ends up committing to Florida State like 24 hours later. Um, I just want to point out that in this in this business, and I told this story on the Ole Miss podcast, and I'm going to tell it again, and I won't say anything about the Gavin situation or what happened there, but a couple years ago, I was on the phone with a head coach from a Pac-12 school, and I was reading Twitter at the same time. And he was telling me about this four-star offensive lineman that was silently committed to his school that he worked at. And while this conversation is happening, he's like, we've got him. He's been silently committed for a month. The player in question tweets out his commitment to a Big Ten school. And I break the news to this coach in the middle of a sentence about how he's silently committed to his school. Uh, and he just hangs up on me to, <laughs> to, to call the kid. So, I mean, it's, it's real hard to predict these things sometimes. Uh, Gavin got away from me, but I think it's kind of a microcosm as to what might happen at Florida State. There is so much going on there with signing day approaching, guys they could get, might get, might not get. Uh, their class could have a very different feel by the time everything is said and done. Uh, you know, they're in, they're the favorites to land Carlos Becker, the safety out of Florida. They've got the Juco kid combo up there with the five stars. They've got, they're in on Brian Burns, who they may land. Trayvon Mullen, the four-star defensive back out of Coconut Creek, is considering them in LSU. I mean, obviously they won't get all of these guys, but there's so many possibilities for what may or may not happen in Tallahassee that they're going to be one of those schools that's going to be a headache uh, on our live show and on National Signing Day. All right, so let's go through real quick. We'll do a little bit of rapid fire since you love doing predictions so much. People should know that Rob wrote that predictions file uh, without any direction from our editors. He just went out on his went out on his own, decided, hey, I'm going to give the people what they want. Got to give them what they need. Give them the predictions. He writes it and then promptly gets two of them wrong. Uh, <laughs> Well, to be fair, the second one that I am going to get wrong is Keyshawn Young. 
And that's because he didn't have the USC offer at the time I wrote it. I mean, I can't predict that USC is going to come in and take him out on a visit. And then, I mean, if I would have known that, I wouldn't have picked Louisville. But, you know, these things change so much they're uh, close to signing day that it's impossible to keep up almost. So we can do a rapid fire here if you want. I'm sure I'll miss all of them. Okay. Uh, Trayvon Mullen. I think he's going to LSU. Okay. So so 0 for, 0 for 1 so far, Florida State. Carlos Becker, the defensive back uh, from uh, the Orlando area. I think he's going to Florida State. Okay. Juwan Williams. Now, you don't know this one. Uh, from yeah, that's not, that's not my region. I'm not going to touch that one because I will definitely get that wrong. Okay, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll make a pick on this one. I'm going to say no on Juwan Williams, and I'll explain that reasoning no, later No, no, you got to say where he's going to land. You can't just say no. You can't take the field. This isn't, this isn't that. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's him or the, it's, it's the field when it's someone who, uh, who I'm not sure who else is in the mix there uh, for his <laughs> services. Yeah, I remember, that's fair. Uh, I'll, I'll do a little research on that while I ask right. you the What, what about one. this junior college jobber? Where do you got him going? <laughs> <laughs> job boy your midwest dialect coming out there uh the the uh jonathan congbo i am picking him to go to florida state although i'm told uh he's told every school uh that is in his final four that he's coming there it's <laughs> <So. laughs> a, a real juco move <laughs> that's like page one of the junior college playbook <laughs> I don't cover JUCOs. I don't cover JUCOs on a daily, day-to-day basis. But I was uh, checking around today, trying to see how the dominoes were going to fall. And uh, yeah, I heard word from USC that they were very confident. Then I heard from Tennessee that they were very confident. (laughs) Then I heard from Ole Miss that they were very confident. And once again, Florida State very confident. So uh, yeah, yeah. Brian but, Burns uh, you, is the next one on the list, and I'll, I'll pick him to Florida State. I think that that will definitely – I think that that's probably the most logical place for him, although I don't feel 100% confident on that. I feel confident enough to say that I think that that's – I mean, that's my pick okay. right now. And the last one for me, Landon Dickerson. Uh, I do think he also ends up at Florida State, and I think that might affect Williams. I think, I think if you have to choose between the two, it's him. If they can take both of them, they will. I could see, I could see, uh, you know, maybe Georgia surprising with Juwan Williams, or I could see, especially if EJ Price goes to Auburn. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts there at the offensive line position. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that how that shakes out uh, for him. So he, he's the one that that you know I'm sure Adam Friedman is uh, having all kinds of shifts to his list. But there's been some shifts on that list. I'm trying to figure out where where Juwan's going to end up. Say what again? Maybe the Atlanta Falcons are feeling very confident about this Congo character. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, Kongbo. I believe he went to. Wy- I think he started his college career at Wyoming and then went there. No, he's a good time. He- I've seen. I've seen the film. He's a good player. I didn't mean to dismiss him by calling him a jobber, but I, you know, I just kind of felt like saying that word. <laughs> I think he. I think he figured out he was really good and decided to go to JUCO because he wanted to go to play at a bigger school. So, uh, all props to him for exploring his options on that front. We usually close the show with rants and recommendations. Uh, we ranted a lot earlier about grumpy traditional media, which uh, which I always enjoy. Uh, so we, we can count that as our rant, our recommendation. Watch us, Rob. Like, you t- give the people what they want. Tell them to watch our faces. And uh, more importantly, we're going to get Nick in front of the camera, the uh, sex appeal. And uh, hopefully that brings in uh, plenty of viewers from around the country. Yeah, we'll uh, even have him like unbutton the top button on his shirt or something. I do have a quick recommendation that's not our awesome live show that will be taking place on signing day, and I will make it quick. I am currently reading the book 59 and 84, which is kind of a uh, 
pieced together biography of old Haas Rathburn season in 1884, where he won 59 games. Um, he pitched in like 70 something complete games in this thing. I mean, just a different time. It's like a manly man's baseball book. You know, the fielders aren't wearing gloves. It's bare knuckles. Everybody's getting concussions. Uh, he's pitching every day, uh, you know, almost dying of diseases that don't exist anymore. Uh, lots of drinking and barroom antics and just everything that happened in around baseball in 1884. It's a really interesting book, and I highly recommend anybody that's interested in baseball or bare knuckle brawling to uh, pick it up and, and give it a read. I have a I have a lot of questions, but I'm going to save them because we got to get we got to get out of here. Nick's probably already mad at us. This is 40 minutes, but uh, big shout to our boy M Deuce. Uh, you can find him on SoundCloud. You can find us all over the internet at Rivals Podcast. I'm at Rivals Woody on Twitter. Rob, of course, at Cassidy underscore Rob. If you want the story behind that, I think he's told it on several podcasts now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's in episode four or something. But anyway, thanks for tuning in and uh, big shout out to Korea again. And uh, we'll see you guys on signing day. It should be fun. Yeah.